This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. So, once you finish your tawaf, what's the sunnah once you finish your tawaf? The sunnah of the Prophet was to take a break and to drink zamzam. Now, before you had to actually go to Zamzam, now you've got Zamzam all over the place. So just to fulfill that sunnah, you just take from those coolers, inshallah ta'ala. You drink from that Zamzam, and you continue on your way to the Sa'i. Now, you can take as long of a break as you want between the Tawaf and the Sa'i. If you want to take, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it may be, because you're exhausted, you're tired, that's fine, inshallah. You can take a break, you can sit down and relax as much as you can before the sa'i. Um, when you do the sa'i, when it comes to the tawaf, you know, the second and third floor, and obviously the way the haram has been, is, is been built now, we don't have that, that ramp there anymore. Um, but the further you go away, the longer it is. The sa'i, it doesn't matter what floor you're on, they're all the exact same distance. And a lot of people just don't make the effort to go up. Always go up to the second or third floor to do your sa'i. It's so much easier, no matter what time you know, of, of the year it is. Always try to go up, inshallah ta'ala, to, uh, to, the, to the second or third floor. First, you will proceed to the signs that say As-Safa. You will head towards Mount Safa. Um, once you get to As-Safa, to the area of As-Safa, you need to recite, إِنَّ الصَّفَى وَالْمَرْوَةَ مِنْ شَعَائِرِ اللَّهِ The verse from Surah Al-Baqarah, إِنَّ الصَّفَى وَالْمَرْوَةَ مِنْ شَعَائِرِ اللَّهِ you will then say, أَبْدَأُ بِمَا بَدَأَ اللَّهُ بِهِ That I start with what Allah started. And it says here, climb as safa There is nothing to climb. Okay? It's, it's just the area of As-Safa. So you'll see where the area is. You just follow the signs. As-Safa, you know, is, is, used to be a, a large hill. Uh, but because of the amount of people that have walked it, it's eroded now. So it's just a little tiny area. But, the, but it's... it's uh, you know, it's clearly marked. But you'll go to the area of a safa you face towards the Kaaba, you would raise your hands like you do in dua. So you raise your hands facing the Kaaba like you do in your dua. Not like your salah. Some people will be doing this, some people will be doing this. You'll raise your hands like dua, face the Kaaba, and you would recite the following words. The Prophet ﷺ used to say, La ilaha illallah. وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير لا إله إلا الله وحده أنجز وعده ونصر عبده وهزم الأحزاب وحده So the Prophet would say this dua three times. Now listen carefully. The sunnah is to say this dua لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له until the end of the dua then to make your own dua then to recite the dua again then to make your own du'a and then to recite the du'a again. What that means is you're going to recite this du'a a total of three times and you will make your own du'a in between. Okay? So you start off, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la until the end. You keep your hands raised. You're still facing the Kaaba, and then you make your own du'a. Recite the du'a again. Make your own du'a. Recite the du'a a third time. And you will not make dua after the third time. So you're going to say this dua a total of three times while standing at Safa. 
And then in between you will make your own dua twice. So you'll have a period of making your own dua um, twice. And then you continue on to do sa'i. Okay, so you're going to do a total of cert, uh, seven, uh, you know, seven circuits, inshallah ta'ala, and sa'i. Every time you get to Safa and Marwa. So you start off at Safa, you walk to Marwa. When you get to Marwa, you will start from La ilaha illallah and do the exact same thing. So you won't read in the Safa wal Marwa man sha'a'irillah. You won't read Abda'u bima bada Allahu bihi. You will read, you'll start off from La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la. You'll make your own dua. You'll say La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la until the end of the dua. Make your own dua. And then say that a third time. So you'll do this every time you get to a Safa or a Marwa facing the Kaaba, inshallah ta'ala. Make sure that you, uh, that you make the full circle on both sides. Um, when you get between the two green markers, particularly for the brothers, this is a time to rush, but again, not to harm anybody, not to run, but simply to pick up uh, your pace, inshallah ta'ala. As you're doing sa'i, you'll see the green lights to indicate that this is the, where the Prophet sallallahu Used to, uh, used to pick up his pace. One very important thing, and you'll thank me for this if you remember this, you do seven times total in sa'i, not 14. It's not seven times back and forth. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are some people that I know that have done, and by the way, sa'i is long. All right, it's painful and it's long, <laughs> okay, especially in the time of Hajj. There are some people that actually do 14. All right, don't do that to yourself, don't torture yourself. You're not going to get more ajr for that. Just seven times total, inshallah ta'ala. Now it's time for you to exit your ihram. So you're finishing up your umrah and, uh, you know, and you're going to go back to normal until the 8th of the Hijjah. So you'll have your hair trimmed. For brothers in particular, you'll have your hair trimmed, but don't shave all the way at that point. Why? Because you want to leave some hair for the second time around, to shave all the way for the second time around. So you can cut it as low as you want to, right? You could even go zero, and then you could shave at the time of hajj or whatever it may be. But the point is, is that you want to leave a little bit of hair, inshallah ta'ala, uh, to, 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 you know, to be able to take for the second time you exit the ihram. Uh, you can have your own clippers, you can do it in Aziziyah, or you can do it in the hotel, wherever you're staying. It's fine for you to do that as well, inshallah ta'ala, or for people to do it for each other, inshallah, um, getting out of ihram, all right? Um, it's very unsanitary to use the street, the street guys, or the people right when you finish uh, from Marwa, you're going to see a group of people that are shaving, so it's probably best for you to avoid that altogether. For sisters, basically what you're going to do is you, you gather your hair and you take from just a small tip from the back, inshallah ta'ala. So you grab your hair and you take just from a small tip, you cut um, from the back. Uh, for brothers, don't, you know, make sure that inshallah ta'ala you take evenly from all of your, your hair. So you can't, you know, sit there and shave from the sides of your head and then leave the top of your head and stuff like that, right? Don't try to get all fancy with hairstyles, it's all going to go anyway with the next, uh, when you exit ihram for hajj. All right, so just make sure that you take evenly from your entire head, inshallah. Um, at that point, everything's halal for you. You're out of ihram until the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah. So once you finish umrah, you get out of your ihram for umrah, you're done until the 8th, okay? Uh, 
One of the big mistakes that people make is they think that it's sunnah to keep doing umrah at that point. So I'm going to keep on going out to tan'im, do my intention for umrah again, redo my ihram, come back and do umrah, and so on and so forth. People will exhaust themselves, and this is not the sunnah of the Prophet Okay? So just do one umrah, inshallah ta'ala. If you have an oath to do umrah for someone else, whatever it may be, and you want to do one more or something like that, that's fine. But don't sit there and try to do multiple umrahs. Um, at that point, it's never been done by the Prophet um, or by the companions. Use the extra time in Mecca to rest. People do not get this concept. You get excited, you're in Mecca. I've got a few days until the Hajj days start. Most people wear themselves out before Hajj actually starts, and it's a huge mistake. So rest. You've got a day or two, rest. Don't exhaust yourself. Don't try to fight traffic and even make it to the haram. If you're staying in Aziziyah, honestly, I don't recommend people to fight and try to get to the haram for those last, that last day or two. It's too harsh. You're likely to wear yourself out. So that's a time to rest, to get yourself mentally and spiritually prepared, inshallah ta'ala, uh, for the days of hajj um, themselves. Okay, so the eighth day of Dhul-Hijjah comes. At that point, you're going to repeat all of the sunnas that you did for ihram and umrah and you declare your intention for hajj from where you are. So you don't have to go out anywhere, it's from where you are. At that point, if you were doing tamattu', you will say, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ حَجًّا أو بِحَجًّا لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ بِحَجًّا or لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ حَجًّا Now ideally, you reach Mina on the eighth day. All right. What, what we do in our group is we actually go out in the middle of the night on the 7th so that we can get to, so that we can beat the traffic going to Mina. So ideally you want to make it to Mina. It's Sunnah to do Mina on the 8th day. This is called Yawm al tarwiyah It was the day that they would have their camels rest up, that they'd get themselves ready for the process of Hajj. So ideally you want to get there on the 8th day. Don't panic if you get there late on the 8th. If you get there super late on the 8th, it's okay inshallah ta'ala. It's a Sunnah. Um, you know, and, and you don't have to get there at any particular time on the eighth day in order to achieve that sunnah, inshallah ta'ala. When you reach Mina on the eighth day, you're going to pray all of your prayers shortened but not joined. The sunnah is to pray qasr but not jama'. Okay, so you're going to pray dhuhr as two, asr as, as, as two, um, maghrib as one and a half, isha, I'm testing you guys, alright, maghrib as three. Isha as two. Everything is going to be, you're going to pray shortened prayers, inshallah ta'ala, but in their times, in their proper times. You're not going to join um, at that point. And really the point is to rest. The sunnah of the Prophet is to rest, to try to get, you know, to try to get as much rest as possible, because the most important day of your life is the next day, which is Arafah. So it's a blessing of Allah that Arafah is the beginning of Hajj. <laughs> Seriously. Because Arafah is the most important rukun, the most important pillar of hajj. And the only thing you're going to do before that is rest. Get yourself ready. Um, we have, uh, in our tent, we have the hajj convention, so we try to get all the mashayikh around, and we do like a nice, you know, a, a nice reminder, um, and try to, re, you know, revitalize everyone, get everyone ready for the big day of Arafah. But it's really just to get in those tents, and to rest, and to spiritually and mentally um, prepare yourself and to get yourself ready. Uh, we tend to take off from Arafah very, 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 from Mina to get to Arafah very early to beat the traffic as well. Um, just an important note at that point, 
bathrooms are going to be awful for the rest of Hajj. Awful. Okay? Long lines, um, heavy usage on the same bathrooms, and so on and so forth. So you probably don't want to eat foods that are going to make you have to use the restroom. All right? Um, you know, take something to hold your stomach if you want. Don't take a laxative by accident. It happens to some people where they, you know, because you go to a pharmacy over there or whatever it is and they just write you something or they throw you something your way and instead of giving you something that's supposed to hold you, they give you something that makes you go. All right? Especially if they're angry with the hijaz for some reason. All right? But um, you don't want to eat foods that are going to make you go. You want to keep that in mind, inshallah ta'ala. Also, memorize your tent number, your location in Mina. People get lost in Hajj and it's a, it's, it's a disaster. Mina all looks the same. So if you want to drop a pin, you know, if you know how to do that, drop a pin. If you don't know what that means, then don't worry about it, inshallah. Just memorize your tent number. But drop a pin if you can. Know where you are in Mina, inshallah, just in case you get lost at some point so you can make it back um, to your tent. Now you're on the ninth day of Dhul-Hijjah. This is the most important day of Hajj. This is the day of Arafah. Now what we tend to do, we actually leave Mina early, early, early. Like we pray Fajr and we're out. What does that mean we pray Fajr and we're out? What that means is we're packed up and ready to go. We pray Fajr and you jump on the bus. Okay, why? Because you don't want to get stuck in traffic on the day of Arafah. We try to get to Arafah as early as possible and sleep and rest before Dhuhr. Because Arafah technically starts at Dhuhr. Okay? So you get there, you rest, um, you know, when you get to Arafah. Uh, a lot of people try to go to the Masjid in Arafah, to Masjid Namira. It's not a good idea. Leave it alone. Get to your tent, rest as much as you can, so that when the time of Arafah comes in, inshallah ta'ala, you are ready to go. <coughs> This is the only day of the year that the Prophet ﷺ prioritized du'a to salah. What does that mean? The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is to pray dhuhr and asr as soon as dhuhr comes in, combined and shortened, and then to spend the rest of the time making du'a until maghrib. Alright? Why? Because this is the one day that the Prophet ﷺ prioritized du'a to salah itself. So as soon as Dhuhr comes in, there's going to be a small khutbah. There is Dhuhr and Asr prayed together, combined and shortened. And then a person is supposed to engage themselves in du'a the entire day. Do not mess this day up. As it sounds simple, you know, subhanAllah, but, but a few years ago, and I'm sorry if you're one of those people that's watching that or you're here, but <laughs> I had to yell at my group because, I, because they were eating ice cream and hanging out in the tent like around Asr time on the day of Arafah. That's literally the most important block of hours in your entire life. You are closer to Allah at that moment than at any other time in your life. So spend the entire time in du'a. If you run out of du'as, make generic du'as. Make the dhikr that's taught by the Prophet ﷺ. But the point is, is that just spend the entire time in du'a. You know, subhanAllah, one of the most beautiful descriptions. Um Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha. She said that the Prophet Sallallahu hands went up at Dhuhr, he prayed. His hands did not come down once until Maghrib. And she said we could see the, the armpits of the Prophet Sallallahu from the way he was raising his hands. There was only one point that, that happened, which was that uh, the Prophet Sallallahu some of the Sahaba didn't know whether it was Sunnah to fast at Arafah while they're there or not. 
Because the sunnah of the fast Arafah, if you're not at Arafah. So they didn't know if they were supposed to be fasting or not. But they, the Prophet ﷺ, he literally was in his spot making dua and he wasn't moving. So finally she went to him and she told the Prophet ﷺ that I think they're waiting to see if you're going to drink or eat or not. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took, he took a, a cup of milk, he raised it up, the Sahaba saw it, he still had his hands raised, he drank from it, so they all drank and then he went back to his dua. That was the only interruption on the day of the Prophet ﷺ in Arafah. Right, just to show them that they shouldn't be fasting. So it's not sunnah to fast Arafah while you're there. It's sunnah if you're not there. Okay? So don't waste a single moment of the uh, dua of Arafah. Don't let some guide come and take you to a special place. Stay to your tent. All of it is Arafah. When I say stay to your tent, I don't mean inside your tent. Go around. But don't think that if I go to this mountain or if I go here, it's going to be more Barakah. The Prophet said, all of Arafah is Arafah. The entire plane is Arafah. Okay? So just where you are, inshaAllah ta'ala. Listen carefully to the khutbah. Um, do your dhuhr and asr. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, the best thing that I and the prophets have said on the eve of Arafah is, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah, lahu al-mulku wa lahu al-hamd, wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. He said that's the best form of remembrance, the best form of dhikr, that can be made on the day of Arafah. What that means is, if you, for, you know, if you find, if you have like a moment, or you have some time, you're walking, you know, you're walking to the restroom, whatever it may be, you're walking to get some water, or if you, you know, you're trying to think of what you want to make dua for next, constantly use those words, inshallah ta'ala, as transition points to keep yourself busy with dhikr throughout the day of, uh, of Arafah. You don't have to go and look for congregational dua. Allah doesn't need you to sound nice or to rhyme or to make dua in Arabic. Focus on making your personal duas in your own language, inshallah ta'ala, um, as, you, as you do, uh, as you go through Arafah. And then once the sun sets, <coughs> at that point the day of Arafah is officially concluded. Now you can stay in, in, in Arafah after that, but the day of Arafah is done. The sunnah of the Prophet is to pray Maghrib and Isha combined and shortened in Muzdarifah. Okay, so you don't pray in Arafah once Maghrib comes in. You'll wait until you make it to Muzdarifah. Um, Muzdarifah is quite close to Arafah. It's not far away. But the Prophet ﷺ would make his way to Muzdarifah and he would rush to Muzdarifah. And Muzdarifah, subhanAllah, is just... It's, it's unbelievable. It's a sight like no sight that you'll ever see. It's literally... A site of the Day of Judgment. It's unbelievable. It's it's just people packed, no accommodations on an empty plane. Subhanallah, and it's something else. It's something to experience, and it's quite. It's something to see. Uh, it's horrifying to some people because <laughs> there is nothing, no accommodation. Subhanallah, it's literally like arriving. It, it feels like you're arriving at the Day of Judgment, right? So you get there. People will have their spot if you're able to find a spot. So a lot of times, be prepared to not sleep on them. Honestly, some people don't even get to sleep on the night. I, I don't, I've been to Hajj multiple times. Annually, I can't think of a time that I slept in Muzdarifa. That's just me, though. I'm a light sleeper. Right? But it's very difficult to find a spot. Literally, you just be crushed in there. Feet on top of you. Feet on your right. Feet on your left. <laughs> feet on your feet. Right? It's just feet everywhere. Okay. Um, 
But it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. The sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, is to is to leave for Muzdarifah sometime after the sun sets. Um, when you reach Muzdarifah, you face the Qibla. The dhikr is to say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Ahad, La ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Ahad, La ilaha illallah. He would pray Maghrib and Isha combined and joined. The sunnah, interestingly enough, on that night is to not do Qiyam al-Layl. Okay? The Prophet وسلم, would, would pray Witr and he would sleep. Why? Because the next day is a very busy day. The next day is a very busy day, so the Prophet وسلم, prioritized rest as well. Um, at that point, a lot of people like to collect stones. It's convenient to collect stones. It's not particularly virtuous to collect stones in Muzdarifah. It just makes sense because in Mina, it's hard to collect stones. Uh, so if a person wants to go ahead and take their empty water bottles or their pouches or whatever and they collect their stones at that point, inshallah ta'ala, for the Jamarat, uh, then you could collect uh, at least 80 small-sized pebbles. And there are rocks everywhere, inshallah. And that can be done in Mina as well. It's just not as easy as it is in Muzdarifah. Um, so remember, everyone sleeps on the ground outside. No matter what package you're in that's under $17,000, <laughs> you're going to sleep on the ground. You're not going to have any accommodations. That's where that small yoga mat uh, comes in handy. The next day, the 10th day of the hijjah is the day of Eid. It's the day of the sacrifice. So you will pray Fajr at the very beginning of its time. So the sunnah is to pray Fajr at the very beginning of its time. It's permissible for women, for the elderly, for, 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 for the sick, uh, to leave before Fajr on that night and to go towards the Haram and to, and to, and to do their Tawaf al-Ifadah, to do their Tawaf al-Eid. It's actually permissible for, for, uh, for, 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 for people with, those, with exceptions and things of that sort. Um, but it's not good for the entire group to do that. Okay? So those that need to leave before Fajr to beat the crowds can do that. But for the most part, stick with the group, inshallah ta'ala. And if the group decides, if the group that you're in decides to do that all together, then follow the group. But generally speaking, at least in our group, we don't do that. We wait until Fajr comes in uh, to fulfill that sunnah. And we make a way for those that need to go early uh, to go, inshallah ta'ala. But otherwise, the sunnah is to wait until Fajr. Then you depart minute. Now here's the, you depart for minute. Here's the thing about the day of Eid. The things that you need to do don't need to be done in any particular order. All right. So here's what you need to do on the day of Eid. All right. You need to stone Jamratul Aqaba. There are three pillars, three Jamarats. All right. You need to stone the, uh, the last one, Jamratul Aqaba, on that day. Okay. Um, you're going to need to trim your hair, cut your hair, or, or actually at that point shave. Right? You can shave or trim, it's up to you, but shaving is the sunnah. But you're going to need to exit out of your haram at some point. You're going to need to do the sacrifice at some point. Okay? And then you have the tawaf, the main tawaf. And that can be done at any point over the next few days. So it doesn't have to be done on the 10th itself. It can be done on the 11th, it can be done on the 12th, it can be done on the 13th. Alright? But on that day in particular, I usually don't recommend people to do tawaf on the day of Eid. It's really, really, really harsh. Really difficult. Most people try to do it on the 10th day. Really what you want to get done is you want to get done, you have to get done Jamratul Aqaba, the stoning of the, of the last pillar. And you want to get done the sacrifice. The sacrifice will be done 
by whoever has been appointed to sacrifice. If you have contact with that person, you wait until they let you know. If you don't, then you make a safe assumption at some point during the day, whatever it is, that they were going to do it at some time during the day. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to head towards Jamrat al-Aqaba. We head towards the pillar. We stone. We get the call, inshallah ta'ala, that the sacrifice has been done. We exit out of our ihram. Even if you have not done tawaf, you will partially exit out of your ihram. What that means is, the only thing that's haram for you, so you'll shave, you'll trim, you'll do all that type of thing, the only thing that's haram is intimacy between spouses at that point. You have partially exit out of ihram, you can go back to wearing your regular clothes, you can go back to using cologne, perfume, you can go back to trimming you know, your nails, whatever it may be. All of that becomes halal. The only thing that's left for you is what? Tawaf. To do the tawaf of hajj, the main tawaf that you have to do. Um, I typically uh, tell people that it is a very, it, you know, it's a good idea to wait until the 11th, the 12th, whatever it may be. It's going to be crowded no matter what, but to go out at those times is usually better. Or for the elderly, for, for the sisters that need to have it done, for the sick, whatever it is, the night of Muzdalifa. Otherwise, it's going to be really, really, really crowded um, on the 10th day. So you'll depart for Jamrat al-Aqaba. You'll depart for Mina and you depart to Jamrat al-Aqaba. It's a long, long, long walk. It takes quite a bit of time. Everyone is going usually in the morning. So that's actually the stampede last year happened at that time. Okay, the stampede happened. And obviously it happened for other circumstances, but that's a really rough time. Everyone is proceeding towards Jamrat al-Aqaba on the morning of uh, the tenth. When you go to Jamrat al-Aqaba, you will throw seven stones. I tell people this, and please remember this. Alright, so here are the Jamarat, the water bottles. Okay? When you come in, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see some people that for some reason want to stone the other two, just to get their early shots on shaitan, on the different shayateen. And then as you're walking, you are the bottle cap, as you're walking, most people what they do is they go directly at the jamra like this. So there's this huge crowd of people that are stoning and it looks overwhelming. All you have to do, and trust me, and you're gonna, you're gonna question, question it initially because you're gonna wonder if it's really true. It's never failed me. I never failed any of my groups. All you do is you walk around that crowd and come back this way. You guys understand this? You're going to have the jamrah to your right. Walk around. Don't go directly with the crowd. Walk around the crowd. You can walk up to the jamrah and you can stone there without that huge crowd. It's safer. It's easy, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, please don't hit me with your stones. I get hit every single year at the jamrahs by people that are throwing from far away, right? Or that for some reason think I'm shaitan. But, you know, <clears throat> otherwise, again, just walk around, inshallah ta'ala, as you get there. You simply would say, Allahu Akbar, as you throw uh, with each uh, stone. Try not to stand in front of the jamrah. There's no need to make dua at that point, you know, to stand in front of the just stone and move on, inshallah ta'ala. Um, the stoning can be done anytime after sunrise on that day. Uh, now you exit your ihram and the only thing left once again is tawaf al-ifadah, the main tawaf of hajj, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and the Prophet ﷺ allowed for any sequence, as we said. Any sequence of these events is fine, inshallah ta'ala. Any sequence is fine, but that's usually the most logical one and the one that we're going to do. So that's the day of Eid. What's left for you 
is that one tawaf al-ifadah, okay? Uh, what about women that are on their cycle? They can do everything but tawaf. Everything but tawaf, inshaAllah ta'ala. Again, uh, now you have the 11th to the 13th of Dhul-Hijjah. By the way, we're getting to the end, inshaAllah ta'ala. You have the 11th to the 13th of Dhul-Hijjah. These are called ayyam al-tashriq. These are days of dhikr. They're days of remembrance of Allah. And these are days that are typically the sunnahs to spend them in Mina. Um, the requirement for these days is to spend half of the night in Mina. At least half of the night in Mina. So if you have accommodations in Aziziyah or you, or you have accommodations in Mecca and you, you left, then you need to make sure that you spend half of the night in Mina. What is half of the night from a shari perspective, from a technical perspective? Anybody know? It's Maghrib to Fajr divided by two. Maghrib is when the night starts. Fajr is when the night ends. Half of that time needs to be spent in Mina. Okay, at least half of that time. Um, every day you're going to stone three Jamarat. So you'll go to all three of them at that point. And you will stone each one with seven stones. Uh, the timing of the stoning is after Dhuhr time. Now, it does not end at Maghrib. So I want to make a very important clarification here. The time is not Dhuhr to Maghrib. The time is after Dhuhr. Okay? So if a person wanted to go later on, there are many narrations of companions that went later on after Salat al-Maghrib and things of that sort, inshaAllah ta'ala. That's fine, inshaAllah. At late Asr, after Asr, that's all fine as well. The worst time to go is after Dhuhr. Because that's when a lot of people go. That's when the major traffic is. Going before Dhuhr, is really not something that we find a precedence for. <coughs> Unless obviously there's overcrowding and the authorities announce that they have to really space it out. But otherwise going later on inshallah ta'ala is, is, uh, is easy. It's not sunnah to go to Mecca uh, during this time. Right? So it's not sunnah to just go and pray in the Kaaba and things of that sort. The sunnah is to take the time of dhikr inshallah ta'ala and to use that time um, wisely. If a person is sick or a person has a difficulty getting to the Jamarat, and a lot of people pass out on the way to the Jamarat, and just it's, it's a really harsh walk, especially if you're coming from the North American camps. You're talking about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half to get there, all right, with the crowd sometimes, and it's hot. It's okay to appoint someone to throw on your behalf. No issue whatsoever. So especially for those that are sick, that are ill, <coughs> the elderly, a person would simply throw on their behalf, inshallah ta'ala, when they get there. They don't go one, two, three. So it's not like one, two, three, and then go back to the front, one, two, three. Simply that person will throw 14, 14, 14, instead of seven, seven, seven. So seven for themselves, seven for that other person. Please, if you're sick, uh, our, 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 our brothers and sisters that are elderly Don't put yourself through that stress On that day if it's going to be difficult for you uh, On those particular days When it comes to the stoning It's okay to appoint someone else Inshallah ta'ala to do so Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an option You can leave Mina on the 12th You can leave on the 12th Or you can leave on the 13th However, if you're going to leave on the 12th, you need to be out of Mina by Maghrib. You need to be out of Mina by Maghrib. So you need to stone on the 12th before Maghrib and safely be out of Mina by Maghrib. 
It is not sinful. It doesn't decrease from your reward. It's fine. And inshallah ta'ala, you know, it, it, honestly, it's a very good option for a person to take. It's what our group does, what most of the groups do, is to actually do ta'ajjur, to leave on the 12th, inshallah ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to leave on the 12th or to leave on the 13th. You can leave on the 12th or you can leave. You could stay until the 13th. If you stay until the 13th, what do you need to do? You have to wait until dhuhr and you have to stone. Okay? So if you leave on the 12th, you have to leave before what time? Maghrib. If you leave on the 13th, you have to wait until what time? Dhuhr. And then you stone and then you leave. Our group, inshallah ta'ala, will stone on the 12th and then we'll head to Aziziyah. We'll walk down to Aziziyah, inshallah, and we'll stay in Aziziyah and we'll do uh, ta'ajjul, inshallah ta'ala. Now at that point, what's left for you is tawaf al-wada' The farewell tawaf. Okay? The farewell tawaf. Uh, this can be done any time afterwards and the intention can be combined with tawaf al-ifada if not returning to Mecca according to some narrations. Now I'm going to explain this inshallah. Tawaf al-wada' is a farewell tawaf. The scholars differed over it whether it's a wajib or a sunnah. So tawaf al-ifada, remember I know that's late right now, but the, the main tawaf on the day of Eid or the, the tawaf of hajj which you have to do either on the 10th, the 11th, 12th, whatever it may be, that tawaf is a rukun. It's, it's mandatory. It's a pillar of the hajj. Tawaf al-wada' is either a wajib or a sunnah. The farewell tawaf. And basically what it is, is that the last thing a person should do when they leave Mecca, when they leave the, the, the haram, they leave the sacred precinct, is tawaf. So tawaf al-wada' is done towards the end of your trip. Okay. And after tawaf al-wada' you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you shouldn't you should not engage in things uh, you know that that you know buying and selling and things of that sort except for your food and your essentials and things of that sort. But you can't go shopping after that. That should be towards the end of your trip. It's not reasonable to go do tawaf al-wada' and go to the airport. That's very difficult for people. Usually it's going to be like within the last day, within the last 24 hours uh, of your trip inshallah ta'ala you go and you do your tawaf al-wada' Now, what happens, um, and this is what I mentioned about combining the intention. Combining the intention, I want you to understand this. Combining the intention simply means delaying your tawaf al-ifadah until the end of your trip to where it takes the place of tawaf al-wada' anyway. That's something that's permissible and that, that, that's, that, that was you know, Imam Malik rahimahullah and also within the Hanbali school, that's something that was allowed and that was done. And basically what that meant is it serves the purpose of tawaf al-wada' And Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah explained it this way. Okay? He likened tawaf al-wada' to the two rak'ahs that you pray when you come into the masjid. If you come into the masjid and there's a fard, what do you do? Do you pray the two rak'ahs of tahiyyatul masjid or do you join the fard? You join the fard. Because the point is, is that when you come into the masjid, you shouldn't sit without praying your two rak'ahs. Alright? So that's what the scholars that said that you could delay the tawaf al-ifadah until the end and it could serve as your tawaf al-wada' they likened it to tahiyyatul masjid to the entering into the masjid you could do your tawaf al-ifadah for example if you're leaving on the you know the morning of the 15th of the hijjah you would do it on the you know the 13th or the 14th and then that would serve in place of it however again you know i would just i would recommend people to not do that unless you know it's really really difficult for them they're really struggling they're having a hard time 
you want to you want to do as much as you can of, of, of the Hajj inshallah ta'ala you don't get this opportunity much so if you can do tawaf al-ifadah and tawaf al-wada' that's the best way to go that's the way we should do it inshallah ta'ala unless there's some dire circumstances or a person has a very unique situation because some people might have an early trip out or whatever it may be um, <clears throat> so this should be the last thing that you do in Mecca there is no sa'i for tawaf al-wada' okay um, and what about voluntary tawafs? I, I tell people this and I really do mean it. That's not the time to do voluntary tawafs. <laughs> people are struggling to get their tawaf al-ifadu done, to get their tawaf al-wada' done. That's not the time to cause a bunch of traffic and, and, and cause hardship by doing voluntary tawafs. Inshallah ta'ala you can do um, other things. Now if you miss tawaf al-wada' let's say that you were late or let's say that you had to get to the airport it just didn't work out Something happened, tawaf al-wada' was missed. What do you have to do? If, you, if, if you're following the opinion of the majority that it's a wajib, then you'll give a sacrifice. You'll do a fidya. Okay? Um, if a sister you know, ha- is, is on her cycle and she misses tawaf al-wada', does she have to do any type of sacrifice or makeup or anything of that sort? No. Okay? There's going to be no makeup for it uh, whatsoever. Um, some of the, 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 the women's issues, inshallah ta'ala, just to, to put out here because it's very, very important, inshallah ta'ala, uh, a lot of times. And I feel bad because the sisters always have a lot of questions and a lot of uh, confusions and things of that sort. Um, <clears throat> there are a few things that are mentioned here, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, one of them is that, again, the only thing that a woman is prohibited from doing on her cycle is tawaf. Now, let's say, let's say, that the time of Hajj ended and a woman has not done her tawaf al ifadah What does she do? What does she do at that point? At that point, okay, she would do her tawaf al ifadah even though she's on her cycle. Why? Because, now, now if a person is delaying, now let's say that she's staying for 21 days or whatever it may be, and she can wait. So you can delay your tawaf al to the 18th and 19th. Then you should do it then. You should do it when you achieve tuhur, when you achieve your purity. But if you're in a situation where you've got a flight on the 15th, and you have not reached that state of purity yet, then you will do your tawaf al anyway. Okay? Why? Because then you are like a person who has to do salah but can't maintain that particular condition of tuhur during salah, like they have, they have something that stops them from having wudu throughout their prayer. You still have to do your tawaf, and inshallah ta'ala, there's no sin on you whatsoever, and it will completely fulfill the obligation. Okay, so Imam bin Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala wrote in quite some, some detail on this, and there were other scholars that mentioned the same, and it's the only thing that makes sense, because if a person left, I'm just letting you guys know, if a person left from hajj, and they did not do their tawaf al-ifadah, you are in a state of ihram until you come back to Mecca and you do tawaf al-ifadah. That means you could be in ihram for a year. That means your husband can't touch you for a year, which that might, you know, that might be what you're trying to achieve, but it's probably not going to do a good thing. You know, it's probably not going to be good for the, the household. All right? But a sister could do her tawaf al-ifadah, in that case, just the mandatory tawaf, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, a lot of times you have people that take you know, some sort of pills to delay their, 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 their cycle or to, to try to play with it. And usually it doesn't work. Okay? Usually it doesn't work um, because, you know, obviously just the nature of the entire, uh, the entire Hajj period and things of that sort. So 
you know, inshallah ta'ala, while you're there, you can ask those types of questions and you can, you can see those things. Taking those pills, if you've, if you've you know, sought medical advice, they're permissible. It's okay, inshallah ta'ala. In fact, there are early narrations of uh, some of the sahabiyat and some of the tabi'at trying to, you know, to, to, to look for remedies so that they could shift their cycle around for the purpose of hajj. But inshallah ta'ala, if a person finds himself in any situation, there is a way around it. So even if they had to do tawaf al-ifadah and the time comes to leave, then they could do their tawaf al-ifadah. They don't have to do tawaf al-wada'ah. They don't do any other tawaf. They only do the mandatory tawaf that has to be done before you leave Mecca. Okay? Um, just quickly, should I do Medina? Just the quick things about Medina. There's really nothing to do and nothing really to talk about there. So inshallah ta'ala, I'll just, I'll just open it up to questions now. Uh, by the way, this whole guide is available on hajpackageusa.com. It's on Hilal Hajj's website. Um, so you can actually get, the, you can get this hajj step-by-step inshallah ta'ala and you can refer to it uh, throughout the hajj period inshallah. So questions, I'll open it up to questions now. Yeah. When you're in Azizir, you're still a traveler, so you're doing Qasr. When you go to Haram, you're following the Imam. But when you pray on your own, you're doing Qasr. You're, you're shortening the prayer, inshallah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So the day of Eid, you'll do Jamratul Aqaba. The other days, you will do all three. We'll all be doing it together, but when you're in the crowds, you're, you can't really do it all. Like, for example, there's no way for everyone to do tawaf together. You'll be disintegrated in, in the first circuit. You know, so there's no way to do tawaf together. And a lot of people, you know, make a lot of mistakes, especially in tawaf al-qudum, the first, the first tawaf, because they were counting on everyone being together. And think, there's no way to do tawaf all together. All right? Now, um... You know, I'm pretty tall, and we'll, we'll <laughs> so you can kind of scout me out sometimes. But even, you know, again, there's no way for all of us to do it together. But what we try to do is, you know, it's good for small groups to do tawaf together. So, you know, groups of 5, 10, 15 max. Actually, beyond 10 doesn't work. Any sisters? Yeah. So we'll throw on the day of Eid, Jamratul Aqaba. Then the 11th and the 12th, we'll do the three Jamarat. And our group will do Ta'ajjah. So we'll leave on the 12th from Mina. We'll go back to Aziziyah. 
80 if you're doing um, 80 if you're doing uh, the, the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. If you're doing uh, ta'akhar, it's 21 plus 21 plus 21 plus 7. Yeah, so, it, so, so if you're doing just two days, you're doing 7, 21, and 21. So I was saying 80 because, you, you know, just to cover for people that are around and some people lose their stones, forget their stones. You know what I do? I'm going to be very honest with you guys. On the last day, a lot of people just leave their stones on the, uh, on the ramp, on the rail, because they, they, you know, they, they brought too many stones. So I literally just walk up to them and I just pick the stones up. <laughs> you know. But it's good to be able to cover for others. But you're only going to need a total of, uh, you know, you're going to need seven on the first day, then you're going to need 21 and 21. So, so. But if you have the exact number, then you're probably going to. Plus, you're going to get confused while you're throwing. So a lot of times you'll end up throwing like nine, ten, you know, instead of seven. Yeah. Very good. So for the sisters in my group, I always do a session, you know, just to go through each and every single individual, what if, what if, because there are a lot of what ifs with, with these things, right? If a woman enters into Umrah, and she's on her cycle, and she came in with the intention of tamattu, so she got in, she did her sa'i, she, and she did not do her tawaf, but then the days of hajj came, she will change her intention from tamattu to Quran, and she will not have to make up any tawaf for Umrah. Okay, so her tawaf of hajj will, be, will suffice for, all, for everything before it as well. So then she'll change from tamattu to Quran. So she goes in with the intention of Umrah, doesn't work out, it's okay to, to, to move from Tamatu to Quran at that point. So, so the, then you follow the group. So the question is that if a person, if a person's with the group and the group, for example, leaves ha- after half the night in, in Muzdalifa, do I go with the group or do I stay behind? You have to go with the group, and that's okay because some of the Sahaba accompanied Al Abbas anhu and others. They accompanied the women and they accompanied the elderly on that night. <coughs> that's fine, Inshallah Taala. It's an opinion. It exists. Stay with your group, inshallah. Yes, sis? Yes, going to Muzdalifa is, is, is a necessity. So what the Sikh would do is they'd literally just touch down in Muzdalifa and they'd leave after the, uh, the half of the night passes. No, you change the intention while you're there. So you realize that it's not going to be possible to do to do the tawaf of the umrah. It's the seventh of the hijjah. You know, it's just too late. So then you'll change just where you are from tamatur to Quran. <coughs> yes. Yes. 
sleeping bags are fine. Um, you can, I, I would recommend, personally I recommend, just for the sake of going light, I recommend buying it up over there in Medina, from Bin Dawood. No, so there's just the ihram of Umrah and the ihram of Hajj. One ihram for Umrah, one ihram for Hajj, or one ihram for both in, in this situation of Haram. Or for the sisters, there is no ihram anyway, right? So for the sisters, it's, it's the state, but you're not wearing anything special for, for, for Umrah or Hajj. Um, so with tawaf al-ifadah, you're still in the state of ihram. Uh, meaning you're observing the prohibitions that are mentioned um, you know, up until you finish. Once you finish tawaf al-ifadha, you fully exit ihram. So tawaf al-wada' is just when for your exit from Mecca. But you're out of ihram altogether. So again, when you finish the sacrifice, the stoning of the jamrat al-aqaba, and, 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 and you know, the trimming of the hair, the shaving for the, for the brothers, um, You've exited every aspect of ihram except intimacy between the spouses is still not allowed until you do tawaf al-ifadah and then it's a full exit uh, from ihram. So when it comes to the sandals and the slippers and what's allowed on the sandals and the slippers, the different madhahib have different you know, requirements and things of that sort. The main thing is to definitely leave the heels exposed so it shouldn't resemble a shoe. Closed from the front altogether, it's, a, I mean, I, I, I would, if you're in my group, I would tell you not to do that, but it's not going, it's not a violation, but it's in the doubtful area. So it's better to leave, to, to have something that's, that's some, some opening to it. And again, not to have something that covers the heel to where it resembles a shoe. For Sa'i, yeah. There can be as long of a break as you want between Tawaf and Sa'i. There is absolutely no time time restriction there. Yes? No, that wouldn't do anything. You just would have killed a poor camel. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not practical. So, so the way that the Sahaba did it is that they'd wait. They'd wait until the woman could do it, or the women all together were able to do their tawafri father, then they left. But it doesn't work that way anymore. You've got flights, and trust me, if you miss your flight in Hajj, it's... What's that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because... So, so yes, technically the way to deal with it is that the caravans would wait, but even back then, if the entire tribe, the caravan's ready to go and you've got one woman, then, for, you know, so, so there were a few situations, a few scenarios. Uh, either, you know, uh, she will remain in ihram and she'll come back to do tawaf when she can do that, and of course they're around the area anyway, so they're not too far where it's, where, where it's hard for her to come back to Mecca, or they'll wait until she's able to do it, but that's not practical. 
in our day and age. So that's why. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why that's why those scholars, Ibn Sayyid and Al Qayyim al Shawtani and others, they they said that it's just like a person who has to do salah, but they're not able to achieve all of the aspects of tuhur, of purity for salah at the time. Salah still has to be done. It's an obligation that has to be done at that time. Yes? <coughs> Will we all be traveling as a group? You'll be having groups. Um, but not, so, so once we're there in Medina, from Medina to Mecca and so on and so forth, we'll all be together inshallah ta'ala. But no, not by... So me personally, for example, I'm, I'm going to be flying separate from the group to get there. I have a different flight route. Um, but otherwise there are chunks of groups, right? So there are chunks of groups that are going to be flying together inshallah ta'ala. But once we're there, we'll, we'll all be together inshallah. So during the day of the, of, of, of the 11th and 12th, the days of Tashriq, you don't have to be in Mina during the day. You have to spend half of the night in Mina. But it's impractical. I mean, the Sunnah is obviously to spend the time, spend time there. Um, but let's say, for example, what a lot of people will do. Um, so the way that for, for our place in Azizia works is that you can actually stone and you can walk down to Azizia. So it's like. 45 minutes walking down, sort of like a downhill walk, 45 minutes to an hour walking down to Azizia. Whereas walking back is over an hour, you know? So a lot of people will go down to Azizia after they stone and they'll, they'll take a rest there, they'll stay there for a few hours and then they'll make their way back to Mina, which is fine, inshallah. You just need to spend half the night, inshallah. Yeah. So you're going to need... So, so from, from a money perspective, uh, getting, so getting in and out of the haram, you're going to need to take cabs. There's, there's no area for buses to get in and out of the haram. It's, it's impossible. So what you'll probably do is, you know, you'll have a group of two, three brothers, and you'll go and you'll try to take a cab to get out every time you need to go to the haram and stuff like that. I think just a couple of hundred, you know, a few hundred dollars is good enough, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah, they've got exchange currency, exchange places. They're all over the place. Um, one thing about that, inshallah ta'ala, just to keep in mind as well. Uh, actually, Uthman, make sure, you know, that there's the Udhiyah fee. So the Udhiyah is collected over there. The sacrifice is collected over there and things of that sort. So, the, but, yeah, so that's all cash. Yeah, unless you arrange the sacrifice outside of the group, right? But for the sacrifice, if you're going to do it with our guy that slaughters, then it's going to be cash only over there, inshallah. So make sure you confirm with Uthman, inshallah, um, about how much is uh, due. Let me just answer these questions, last questions that are that were sent in, if they weren't answered already. Does it violate the, the, the rule to wear a face mask? No. I already said that. So what about wearing disposable gloves while using the restroom for a woman? That's fine. Um, can I cover a tattoo of an image that is prominent on my shoulder with a band-aid or a bandage? Yes, that's fine. A band-aid does not, or a bandage does not fall into makhit. It's not a garment or a cloth. So it's fine to patch up a tattoo or an image. On days like Arafah, when you are not required to be within certain confines during given hours, how feasible is it to get from various locations to Aziziyah? 
From Arafah, there is no access. The only time Azizi is accessible is in, on the days of Mina. Um, how do I prepare my will? Okay, these are, these are wasiyah questions. I'd recommend uh, mywasiyah.com, inshallah ta'ala. Can women change their clothes while they are in ihram? You can change as many times as you want in ihram. Ihram is a state of being, ihram is not cloth. For men, even those two towels, you can replace them as many times as you want. Uh, it can be many garments. For women who are touched inappropriately by strangers, what should they do? Uh, what is a reaction that is not violating proper adab? If someone touches you, you can elbow, you can punch, you can do whatever you want to do. Just make sure that it's not, it wasn't an accident. It's not, you know, like they didn't get pushed into you or something like that. But um, I do recommend sisters to go, you know, with their husbands or something like that, or in groups and things of that sort. Just for it's 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 so crowded. Subhanallah, this the entire time, just people upon people upon people. Um, but you can do whatever you want, inshallah ta'ala, to protect yourself. Do protect yourself. That's not part of the sabr of hajj, to let, to let yourself be violated in that regard. Uh, can you put insect, repe- insect repellent on your sleeping bag? Yes, that's fine. You can even put, again, unscented on yourself. And out of ihram, you can put it all together. Uh, when we go for umrah, are we going as a group? We'll go with small groups, inshallah, to do the tawaf part. Uh, will women be accompanied by their husbands? Yes, they should be. Are the men and women both allowed to apply scented or unscented sunscreen before the state of ihram? Sunscreen is fine, inshallah. Um, please, so, so some, some of you didn't get the socks part. The socks part are for when you do tawaf. So for women, you can wear socks the entire time. For men, uh, outside of ihram, you're going to, like for example, tawaf al-ifadla, you'll be out of ihram already. Right? So, because of the, the way the surface is, the only time that you're not going to be able to wear socks in tawaf is going to be the tawaf of umrah, because you'll be in ihram when you do, when you do tawaf of umrah. Otherwise, the surface is very harsh on your feet. You're going to have blisters and stuff like that. So it's good to have some thick socks just to protect your feet, inshallah ta'ala. Um, <clears throat> okay, is perfume permissible for women after ghusl before entering into ihram? Using a, a sense, you know, body sense, cleaning yourself. So for women, the, 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 the ruling would apply that it shouldn't be something that, that other people can smell around you, right? So just cleaning yourself and things of that sort, inshallah ta'ala, uh, is fine. Allahu ta'ala alam. For any fiqhi questions right now, I'll take those questions personally. I'll let Uthman do the logistical, the logistical um, portion, inshallah ta'ala, and then we'll go ahead and we'll uh, conclude, and then you guys can ask me on a personal level, inshallah. So again, the guide is at, at, on the website, hajpackageusa.com, and it's good enough. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go over a few things. Uh, first again, Jazakallah Khair for uh, joining our group. Uh, inshallah, I'll be joining the group. My wife will also be joining the group this year. So sisters, if you want to get to know Sister Farah, she's there. Um, she'll be able to help out. Um, in terms of, you know, the way we have our package set up over the years, we learn, it, it really helps us get things, it gives us a, a, a way to rebalance and kind of reset in, in Medina. You know, everyone's busy with their life and everything going on here. And when, when we get to Medina, it gives us a few days before the, you know, the big pieces of Hajj uh, to, to start to disconnect from this world and, and you know, reconnect over there. Uh, so when we're there, we will have halakas every day, as you can see on the itinerary. This is the preliminary itinerary. Uh, 
Um, there might be some changes. Uh, we'll be we'll be sending notices every day or month kind of with 